What's up? This is a special edition of Marsha's Plate where we review the show Pose on FX. All right? Uh, what Diana say? Don't call the doctor. Don't call the mama. Don't call the preacher. Welcome back to Marsha's Plate. Make sure if you join the conversation, you hashtag Marsha's Plate and pose FX. Um, we're going to cover a lot of topics. This episode was really deep, um, heartfelt. So if you hear us talking about anything and you have something to add, make sure you hashtag us. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. We are under... M-A-R-S-H-A-S-P-L-A-T-E. That's M-A-R-S-H-A-S-P-L-A-T-E. Hashtag us. We don't care if you agree or disagree. We just want to hear your opinion. So, you know, come join the conversation. So, (laughs) we're back for episode two. This one was quite heavy. So it's a lot go- just as heavy as the first one. They really went deep from the beginning <laughs> of the premiere. They had a lot of deep moments, and this one is no different. So in this particular episode, because of the AIDS epidemic going on and hitting hard in the ball scene, Pray Tell is particularly um, going through it in these first two episodes, particularly in this one. He has lost friends. He has lost lovers. Um, Even like his belief in life and whether or not life is worth living. It's just, you know, this is just what's going on with him in his life. He has lost hope and he is clear, um, clearly in the depth of alcoholism. Now, we learned last episode that, you know, it's just alcohol. He didn't want to partake in the drugs. <laughs> he was like, honey, I'm just a, I'm just a lush baby. Right, right. At least that was the last episode. Yeah, that too. So the second episode, this one, is named Intervention for that reason, and it deals with that problem held head on. So here we go. It kicks off with Blanca and Judy in the cafeteria. And they're kind of just sitting there and they're quiet. And Judy is like, bitch, if I wanted to be quiet, girl, I would I would be eating by my damn self. What is up? <laughs> and so Blanca is telling her, like, you know, like it's really going on. I'm really um, I feel like praise alcoholism is getting kind of worse. And Judy hasn't really talked to him for several weeks due to the two of them getting into a fight at a memorial service, which he showed up to drunk. Right. And so Blanca and Judy is kind of agreeing to have this like intervention with Pray Tell. So Blanca being, you know, community mother as she is, <laughs> again, <laughs> plans this um, get together with all her kids, Electra, Lulu, Angel, Poppy, Ricky, 
Um, and this Lee and this Lisa character who is a harm reduction counselor, where um, their concerns about pray tell kind of is being listened to. Lisa kind of walks them through a process of, you know, this is how you do an intervention so they can be prepared for it. What do you think about that? Never a good idea. <laughs> I've never seen that go off without a hitch. Um, I mean, I guess why would it? Um, so that scene, a lot was going on in that scene because you know a we lot. had we had we had Angel and Lulu coming up, clearly high as hell, you know, thinking that nobody sees it on them. You got Lulu like because because honey, kid. Lulu looks a mess. <laughs> a Angel is kind of giving yeah. Angel, but Lulu definitely don't look like herself. No, at, not at all. Not even the least bit, you know. She, she like, and when she was walking in, in, she was trying to get high when she was coming in the place. Right, right. It's just like, no, no, don't do that. Um, yeah, so I think, you know, I, I believe Blanca always means well. Her timing and execution is just always a tad bit off with that one. Um, you know, I... <laughs> Yeah, um, what, what I thought was interesting about this scene is this is 1994, right? And so they're talking to Lisa and they're talking about like trauma and you know, Ricky specifically is like, oh, so the person who's been causing all this harm is actually the victim I call bullshit. And you know, she's explaining to them like, you know, like about trauma and things like that. And I'm like, were we, I don't remember and I was a child in 1994, but I mean, shit, my parents were grown and they wasn't talking about no trauma. I don't, I don't think we was talking like that back in 94. That felt very 2018-ish. Like it, it, it definitely didn't feel like a conversation like that they would have been having back then where they're trying to understand why people do the things that they do, what, triggers that it's just like bitch you on crack and you need to stop or you drinking you a lush and you need to stop stop that shit like where did you grow up in pittsburgh hmm ironically where billy porter is from grew yeah. up <laughs> yeah um yeah i just i don't remember folks you know being able to articulate like the underlying, you know, reasons or causes for why people turn to drugs and alcohol. It just, it wasn't a conversation that I was seeing. So I was a little, I was like, who wrote this? So now, so for me, I have to be, looking back on this time in my teens, I have to say that I don't think it was like a big public cultural narrative like it is now. But I think in certain circles, particularly around addiction and alcoholism, you could find these type of conversations happening, particularly planning interventions. Because I remember when I was younger, um, because my mother was an addict, and mm-hmm. I grew up in a group home when, you know, mm-hmm. when we got taken away from my mom, they put us in, they, not us, they put me, because I was a teen, in a group called Alateen. 
And so okay. Alateen is the teen version of Alcoholics Anonymous, except it's not for people who is who is not necessarily for people who are addicted to alcohol. It's for people who are the teens of maybe alcoholic children or narcotic people who are addicted to narcotic is actually a group for the, the kids for people like this. And so in that, in that time, in my youth, I would go to this group every week to discuss the trauma, the pain, the issues oh, wow. that okay. my parents, that my parents was kind of uh, putting me through in regards to that. And so we were all kumbaya, I have these moments and there was, and this, and this, this group had been going before I came, it had been going on for years. Oh, wow. They okay. even organized us to get bused to Michigan at this little retreat for basically the Midwestern, um, the Midwestern area, like Ohio, Indiana, Michigan, um, Illinois, all the Alateen groups that I was in, they would come to this big major event and they bust us to it. And it was one of the most healing, at, at the time, I've had many healing experiences later on, but at the time, like I remember this one, and this is something that I remember, that I'll remember for the rest of my life. I remember they had this um, event at this big old meeting for all the Alateen people. Mm-hmm. They cut the lights. It was like this big old gym. It looks like a gym. And they cut the lights and you were either in group A or group B. So they cut, they dimmed all the lights. Not like you can see, but it's dark. Um, mm-hmm. They dimmed all the lights. And what they, what they would do is if you are in group A, you stand there with your eyes closed and the job of group B is to walk around and hug every single person and and tell them positive things about them like you like you you're speaking life into them you're telling positive things oh. you are telling them you know what you feel about them what you see what 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 you are um like um affirming in their lives and so there's, they'll spend a sign and it's like rotating chairs. People will start, like your eyes are closed and just random strangers are hugging you and affirming you. And for whatever reason, I had never been in those situations, but for whatever mm-hmm. reason, I start bawling. Like for what, however, I don't know the magic of this fucking <laughs> exercise, but the uh, the affirmation and people just saying things that were just filling me up with like joy filling me up with like any any insecurities that i was having they were just like kind of in the moment washing it away and just saying things what they liked about my outfit what they liked about me what they affirmed for my life the healing and i was just crying but i wasn't the only one all of group a when I snuck and opened up my eyes, they were having the same reaction. And then once we kind of, once it kind of the, the, whoever the leaders are kind of ruffled the feathers back down, the, brought the emotions back down, then group A did the same thing to group B. And it was a, it, it's an experience that as a teen, I will remember it for the rest of my life because it was powerful for me. It it was powerful to me. And it also was something that 
made me believe in things like tactics of therapy and made me believe in stuff like that. Cause I'm, I'm from the hood and I'm black and my mom can't afford therapy. So there was always a negative talk around therapy. And so right. this thing may in, influence me. So it was stuff around. It may not have been this cultural talk that we have right now, but mm. it was around. Well, shit, Blanca and them should have did that. Because <laughs> before before they, they even brought Pray Tell in. Because <laughs> that was a mess. So was, as they beautiful. are preparing for this stuff, there is, you know, just like we, like multiple scenes, like the scenes in the previous episode when they were talking about OJ, everybody had their own opinion about OJ. And in this mm -hmm. intervention group and planning, everybody had their own opinion about will this work out with Pretel? Some people... um you know, like like you said, Ricky had was like, mm, I don't know about he's the one causing the problem. I don't know about him being the victim. And then other people was like, mm, is this even going to work? And then Electra, first of all, before we get into Electra, like, pray don't listen to nobody. Right. Poppy <laughs> was like, he don't listen to nobody. But also, can we get into how sickening Electra was in this scene? Yes. Let's let please let's let let's talk about it. <laughs> Baby because... mother Electra was in this green. First of all, she was sitting with her feet. They were on this roof and she was sitting with her, with her feet in a fucking kiddie pool. <laughs> she gets on my nerves. I didn't notice that the first time I watched it, but re-watching the episode, I'm like, she got her feet in this goddamn kiddie pool. I, she's too much. <laughs> she is too much and just enough. Yes, I live for every bit of it. So she has this green outfit on with this green hat that's kind of like um, diagonal, kind of cocked to one side of her head. She is looking be. I live for right. dark-skinned girls in bright colors, you know, especially now okay. because, you know, back yeah. in the day, they were telling dark-skinned girls they can't wear bright colors and blah, 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 blah. Right. A lot but I live for dark-skinned girls in bright colors. They always look beautiful. Always. And she looks sickening. And so Electra was like, and so how much is this going to cost us, girl? Electra was <laughs> Electra was about the coins, maybe. <laughs> Let's get down to business. This is all nice. This is all healing and kumbaya. How much you going to run us? Like, <laughs> what's the figures? Like, let's talk about it. And yeah, they they quickly got gagged. Gag? <laughs> how much did she say? $2,500 a month, a month, a month, $2,500 a month. Yeah. So everybody was like, mm-mm. So not everybody, but um, Electra was like, uh-uh. And the angel was like, well, they better go to Bellevue or whatever. Bellevue. I mean, they got bars on the windows, but it's three meals a day. It can't be that bad. Like, it can't yeah. be that bad. That sounds like jail. That sounds like jail. Sounds like it's giving prison. It's given Rikers Island. No, no, we're not sending him there. No, right. Absolutely not. Right. Definitely. And I remember in my city, so I know this was um, something that was going on in other cities. There were facilities that like mental health, like if you were having mental health issues, you would go to the state run you know, facilities like in, in Indianapolis, ours was called Central State. 
And it was this big old building. Like when you when you drive past it, it looked kind of scary. It didn't have bars and shit on it, but it it looked kind of scary, like an old school and um like an old Catholic school or something. But it it's where, you know, people who maybe their family have passed, but they got mental issues, so they can't be out on their own. They'll be, you know, they'll burn a house down or something who have like um mental issues that they can't be independent. And they would go the yeah. state, they would they would live in these places. Now, this is it sounds like it's oh, the idea is cute, but they were usually horrible conditions. You know, I've heard horrible stories where, you know, people who worked there was molesting the girls who who was who was there, um, mistreating the people who was there and all that kind of stuff. But during um, I don't know, was it Reagan or Clinton or Bush? I don't know. One of them racist white presidents, Democrat or Republican, they put they actually cut the budget across the country, the federal budget for these type of facilities. And they basically put all these mentally disabled people out on the street. And so now in, in our area now, we, this has been going on for so long. That's why we, when we go to these major cities, we see a lot of homeless, mentally um, challenged people because we used to put them and we used to take care of them but now we don't take care of them at all they're just out on the street and so similarly it feels like bellevue would be a place like that Mm -hmm. so they weren't trying to hear about that price because that's a crazy price but electra come up with an idea to come on (laughs) even though they kind of made the cash prizes seem negative in the last season. These cash prizes are being utilized now because the plan was right. so we all win each category. We got enough money to pay that twenty five hundred for Praytel at least a month for one month. Yeah. So, so and that may be all he needs. Yeah. So that's the plan that Electra come up with. And she's like, I'm going to be the orchestrator of all of this. And so it goes into this scene of (laughs) it goes into this scene of Electra just coaching each individual person. She is doing this fitting with Angel and she's reading her. (laughs) Poor Angel. Poor Angel. (laughs) She was like, baby, you got this face, but this fashion is no, no, (laughs) ma'am. Then, no, poor I, Angel, it was funny at first, but the who I was like, poor was motherfucking Lulu. Lulu. Dude, I, all, she she made me good. feel ashamed to be a light skinned girl because we can't. You bitches out here thinking y'all can do every motherfucking thing. You is not about to be on this ugly ass <laughs> Tony yeah, right. Braxton wig and think you can give Tony Braxton. Right, right, no. Um, like they said, she spent her last two dollars on that wig and she looked every bit of it. Two dollars. Two. Two. <laughs> That's with the tax. Uh, tax included. Uh, I'm like, I, I don't know what's going on. It's it's just it's it's not translating. <laughs> We're lost. We no, we're, we're not no, getting it. We are the sweet refrain is not so sweet. No. <laughs> and then you got the butch queens and the uh the, the send-offs in the back going. 
Baby yes, ass, like, girl. You know she look like, bad. Get out of here. Mm-mm, don't do that. Do not encourage her. Do not encourage her because this is not it. Electra wasn't happy, baby. You up here looking like a hot, sweaty mess in this ugly ass wig, <laughs> looking like a washerwoman. <laughs> <laughs> well, she called her a washerwoman. I hollered. She said, I'm like, oh my. You know what I thought of? I thought of that movie with. Um... <laughs> With Octavia Butler, uh, when she was doing Madam CJ Walker and she was cleaning them clothes. <laughs> That's yes. what I thought about. Girl, you looking hot, you looking and and I've noticed even from the first episode that all the girls, I don't know if that is maybe their coins and got writer or they moan prescription is being consistent, but all the girls are way thicker this season than yes. previous seasons. Right. They are soft and thick and bodies is looking luscious, except so for Electra. Like, She's looking still bony. I'll say one thing about Lulu. I mean, from the neck up was all wrong, but down she had it from the neck down. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you giving us body this season. The girls is giving us body. body. Even Angel Lil Bony self is giving is looking more right, right. plump. <laughs> yes, lovely. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. So she comes up with the plan, and you know, Ricky is tipping around doing his little Vogue thing. She's reading him, she's saying it's boring. She gets them together. She's like, look, I, y'all not going to make me look like a fool. <laughs> y'all not going to make me look like a fool. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. And so that's what the scene goes to of um, Electra, just kind of coaching them into what they need to be. This is a comedy part. Love it. Love it. Oh, my God. I want to thank all of our new patrons this week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So not only are you helping to sustain this particular podcast, you know, I also donate to other podcasts. I donate to other organizations. I have my finger on the post of the community. And I know a lot of grassroots organizations that are doing great work out here. So you're not only helping to sustain us, you're helping to sustain other people in a community. Because I put my money where my mouth is. You know, that's just the kind of bitch I am. Community is fuck. (laughs) So thank you. I really, really appreciate you. And if you have not become a patron, why have you not? You can donate as low as a dollar a month. It doesn't matter. Anything helps. Please. Do I have to play Sarah McLaughlin and show you puppies? Like, what do I have to do? Do I have to do resort to what the white people do to get you to give them money? <laughs> All righty. Anyway, thank y'all. And the Patreon and PayPal link is at the bottom. Back to the show. So Blanca, this is also the scene that Blanca and Christopher, Blanca's trade, they finally meet Christopher's parents out for dinner. Christopher's parents were quite friendly in the beginning of this scene. They were quite friendly. They thought it was going to go one way, and then it quickly did a 180. Like Blanca is introduced to Christopher's parents, um, the Huxtables, the real-life Huxtables. Um, they were sitting down for dinner, and Blanca's mother, I mean, uh, Christopher's mother, begins to, you know, ask Blanca about how they... Um, how they met. And it was his father who asked how they met. Um, 
and they go into the story where we actually get a little bit of a, 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 a just a brief snippet of a sex scene, <laughs> you know, which I, I wanted more of. I, I've been waiting to see the girls get it on. And I'm like, damn, it was so short. I'm like, you got Jeremy Pope, like you got MJ, let's like, let's give give us a full fucking scene. Maybe we we'll get one later. <laughs> but they always I- do Blanca like that. Remember oh. in uh, one of the other seasons, she, she fuck, was fucking trading in the alley and it was that brief little flashback. They did the same thing here. Give mama a scene. I would like to see it. I would like to see it. Um, Blanca's mother, uh, you know, Blanca's telling her, like, you know, speaking on her life. And Blanca's mother asks where she's from. She says the Bronx. She's, well, she's, she gives the specific projects that she's from. I don't remember what it was. Uh-huh. Um, and you kind of see her mom's reaction like, huh. And then they're, they're talking um, about children. She says, Blanca, would you, do you like, would you like to have children? And Blanca's like, real proudly, like, I have four of them. And they look like, bitch. What? <laughs> <laughs> now look, now that that to me, I felt like that was unrealistic. Ain't no trans woman gonna sit and tell this woman that she got four kids. We is not gonna bring up no motherfucking ball scene or anything that hits the right. ball scene. Right. And so now they they looking at her crazy. Christopher looking with all the got shock all over his face. So. He is trying to explain, uh, explain away what Blanca has just said. <laughs> so he's like, you know, mom, it, it is, and Blanca is a house mother. It's an expression. Like when I call Aunt Cindy, when I call Miss Cindy auntie, even though we're not blood related. And Blanca kind of look over like, okay, you know, and- um, Bitch, I'm so, a mother. <laughs> we're, 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 right. And so then he goes immediately into, but she's an entrepreneur and da 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 da. What you do? I had a nail salon. Intriguing. Like mama is not buying. Mama it. is not buying it. She's reading. She is reading. She is nice, <laughs> nasty reading. She is not. Right. She's being like a like you know a middle class woman would do. She's going nice, natty read you. Oh, that's colorful. <laughs> right. Right. So nice, so nice. Um, so Blanca, being who you know, like the girls are, honey, we can catch the shade. Okay, so Blanca said, Yes, honey, and I can get them nails healthy. Call me. Call me. <laughs> um, so it didn't go as well mm-mm. as it was very low. She didn't cuss them out or nothing, but it was real high key shade in the meeting. And so we switch to the scene of um, the back to the ball scene. So the ball itself, the House Evangelista proved to be dominant again over Lamar's upstarted House of Khan. And, you know, Electra destroys the floor. Everybody destroys, even pray tell, because, you know, she had already had this come to Jesus moment with Lulu saying, girl, you ain't got your shit together, baby. You, you, I don't know if it's the drugs. And she also had a conversation with Lulu about the drugs. She's like, I know you don't think we don't know that you is doing these drugs. Like you smoking crack, bitch. The category clearly is crack. (laughs) And you are wearing this category out. (laughs) And Lulu trying to save face, but she was like, bitch, 
I'm an old head bitch. I see right through this shit. Right. Like, don't don't play me. Don't play me. It's crack, not coke. It's crack. Okay. Crack. Crack, baby. And so she tells her, you know, you're going to have to sit this one out. Because she was like, you know, pray tell. Because she suggested that pray tell does the sweet refrain um, category. And she was like, pray tell doesn't have the talent or the bone structure. And she was like, but you know, what you call it was also, but pray tell ain't, you know, cracked out like you being, look, uh-huh. you losing weight, you you getting real honey. Like what's going on, watcher woman? <laughs> and she was like, well, you're gonna have to sit this one out. Lulu is disappointed, but it proves to be a good choice because pray tell does his sweet refrain and actually wins his category. Everybody wins the category. Lamar with, um, he actually wins it with one of my favorite songs. Of course, let's get to the, just talk about the music a little bit. This was a time of music where I really, really loved it. Yes. We yes. had Janet, they played Janet's yes. If, they played um, um, Involves, um, my loving, never gonna get it, never gonna get it, never gonna get it, never gonna get it. Yes. <laughs> It, this time in my life when I was younger where I really, really loved music, there was tons of girl groups, there were tons of rap groups, because even in the first episode, they played Warren G, Regulators, baby. That right, was a cut yeah. for everybody. That was a, a cross-generation and culture cut that everybody lived for. And it let you, it was one of them things that went, that was, that let you know that hip hop had actually elevated to a whole other Mm -hmm. level. It was no longer underground and no longer this kind of niche little thing. This is, this is that, that shift in culture where hip hop was literally becoming pop music. Yes. Yes. Definitely taking the main stage. The music for me is, um, in 1994, I, I, was, I was still very young, but I have fond memories of that time because it's like when I became like really cognizant of music, I guess, um, I knew like, like I had songs that I would like sing because I heard them like Michael Jackson and stuff, but I don't know. I feel like I actually, this around this time is when I began to really like kind of understand like the difference between this singer and that singer. And I had ones that I liked and ones that I did not. Um, You know, I was asking for my parents to buy me cassette tapes so I can have this song and that song. So, you know, the the music that's being played this season, while I knew the 80s stuff because I've grown up hearing it, I love 80s music, but like these are like kind of like the first real cemented memories um, that I have of like, I can remember where I heard Janet Jackson for the first time and, you know, how I felt during that, like, you know, those, those um, you know, so it's, it's, it was really special to me, for me, to me, to hear that. Um, Same way with me, especially it. these songs have really, really fine mir- memories of this era of time. When I think about, um, Janet Jackson's If, when I think about um, That's the Way Love Goes, when I think yes. about even um, I Love Your Smile, do, 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 do. Shanice, yes. that is that that song literally brings me joy when I hear it because it was such a happy yes. time. It was the first time that I went to California. Yeah. 
so many joyous memories of these songs, even in Vogue. In Vogue, well, Hold On came out in the 80s, but this is when they really got into their sex kitten status. Not that they weren't sexy in that album, in that album, but that never get never gonna get it video. Um yeah, they, you know, they were doing that, that kind of very with the silver dresses and the yeah. um Supremes hair giving homage to Diana Ross and the Supremes. And then, you know, and then they went into Free Your Mind, which was like a queer anthem, <laughs> you know? So this was a time when girl groups are really making a statement with the music and really um, just for my lifetime, this was ju just a, a perfect display of the songs and the music that were the soundtrack of my life when I was an early teen. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So at the ball, because... Um, because everybody is winning the category, Lamar, as you would might expect, <laughs> explodes over the results and demands a recount like we fucking voting, like he motherfucking Florida. Right. <laughs> I was like, what? Lamar pulls, literally, pray tell is, is like, you know, telling him, child, honey, you lost. Just accept your loss. And Lamar right. literally pulls out a knife <laughs> causing everybody causing this big ass uproar so this is what's interesting and crazy about um kind of about pose in general like mm -hmm. they are really fast to villainize a character and quickly change the dynamic of the relationship with people yeah. and so it that's quite interesting that you know, you you putting a, a knife out on these people that in the past seasons you were this your family and this your family, right? Like it's no, I don't know how easily that kind of without even explaining because because Lamar really had just become a villain. He hasn't. Right. We didn't see the transition of where he's of the relationships. We're yeah. supposed to just believe that oh, I have a new house, so now I'm cutthroat. Mm -hmm. I don't know about that, but it. it it feels kind of rushed, and I understand we don't have a lot of episodes, but they didn't build that kind of explaining up. But it's not, it wasn't just this season. Last season, they were kind of doing that um, with Electra, turning her into a villain really, really quickly, even though her and Blanca has this history, this mother-daughter history, even before this villain, you know. But I know yeah. you need a storyline, but... That was a little bit better explained, but they switched to villain quickly. One of my notes was, who wrote this? Um, <laughs> Always. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was Even though Janet told us, Janet told us that the first two episodes were not written by the girls. That, that, that's what she said. That's what she said. So leave it to a man. Um, because, yeah, I... I I had some concerns um, over that that entire scene. You know, um, the the knife, the whole knife debacle was interrupted by Castle falling out um, and having that seizure. And you know, you got Praytel calling ambulance. It's like we're, now we're Castle. We have this is the first time we had a much more intimate. Um, more lines, much more intimate um, relationship yeah. with Castle. Castle is one of Praytel's friends that are a part of that, you know, the the um, ball scenes like older elder council that meet. Remember when 
Candy threw her shoe at Pray Tell while he was at the restaurant. That council, you know, that has Jack Mizrahi and, you know, just some older Butch Queens. Castle is one of the older Butch Queens. And we're, we see a little bit more about the, their relationship and their story because what we heard early on is Pray Tell having like a scared moment, like a scare moment because people hadn't um, heard from, they hadn't been out. And so Pray Tell had went to Cancel's, um, not Cancel's, <laughs> Castle's house and he just was laying in the bed, just chilling. And he was like, I don't even feel like getting out. And, yeah. and Pray Tell was like, bitch, you better get out. You better, you're not gonna be stuck in this damn house. Ain't nobody heard from you. I'm thinking something that happened to your ass. And Castle says, bitch, I ain't, you thought I was going to kill myself. I ain't going to kill myself. If I was going to kill myself, I would get a room, a sickening ass hotel, do room service. Right. And be, and you know, live in luxury and then honey pop my pills and be done with this shit. Right. And so Pray Tell was like, "Mm, you know, bitch, I'm glad you're still here. We got to, you know, we got to take care of ourselves. And, you know, because you got a lot of fucking pills. And, you know, I don't want you to kill yourself, blah, 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 blah. They they have a pep talk. And Pray Tell convinces Castle to come out to the ball. We about to slay this ball. And so at the, when they were coming in, Castle was trying to order a drink, alcoholic drink. Now, remember, he on all these pills. Tried to order a drink, and it was like, child, no, you taking too many fucking pills. No vodka to the bartender. Just give Miss Thing a Sprite. But when Praytel leaves, she was like, girl, put some vodka in in, in my drink. And so I, it, it, it implies that with the pills and the vodka, it caused Castle to have a seizure. And okay. so... We Can we talk about time. how uh, Jensen Atwood always, like finds his way into these little shows um, way from Noah's Ark. And I was just having a conversation about him the other day um, prior to seeing these episodes. And... No, wait, 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 wait. Mm-hmm. For the audience, Noah's Ark is a groundbreaking... Basically, the pose, what pose is for Black trans women, Noah's Ark was a show that was for, to me, Blacks, cis gay men. Yeah. It was kind of groundbreaking. We hadn't seen a show like Patrick Polk had um, created. Is that his name? What's his first name? Patrick Ian Polk. Patrick Ian Ian Polk. He hadn't created this. He created this amazing show that a lot of people watch. I didn't watch because at the age that I was, I did not watch Noah's Ark because at the age that I was, I was, I was going through a very anti-gay time in my life because I'm a trans woman, right? Okay. And socially, I'm fighting to prove I'm a woman and I'm tired of you equating me to a gay man. Most gay culture, I started to distance myself from. And so I stopped going to gay clubs. I stopped going to, I started to try to basically 
be fucking homophobic and not be homophobic in the sense of being mean to gays, but homophobic in the sense that I didn't want to do anything that was that revolved around cis gay male culture because I was trying to separate myself to the people around me between me and my transness. And just so people understand, we are not the same thing. So I want to live my life exactly like quote unquote fish do. I want to live, but fish don't be going to gay clubs like that. They go to straight clubs. So I started to mimic that life because I thought that would give me more validation. I thought that it would give me more, um, it would make people in my circle understand me more, take me more seriously. Mm -hmm. So, when this was coming out, this is one of the casualties of that. I didn't, I never got into Noah's Ark. So I hope that explains it to everybody. So you get it? Yeah, no, I, I absolutely get it. I absolutely get it. It makes perfect sense. So um, tell but, me, tell me why Noah's Ark was important to you. Um, so, you know, this was, I forget the year that it was. It feels like 2004, five. Um, I recently, we got internet in our house for the first time, a little bit before that. And we actually got cable. I grew up most of my life without having cable, you know, living with my parents, just, we didn't do that. Um, and, you know, I was introduced to all these channels and we had the internet. And so I'm like, I'm seeing stuff. And then I like stumbled apart upon Noah's art, like randomly, and then the channel got blocked. And so I figured out a way to um, reset the cable box by like pulling out all the cords and things. And then it would, you would hurry up and get to the channel before um, everything registered again. And so you felt like I could watch it. And so Noah's Ark is really special to me because it's that thing that I had to sneak and watch and love all by myself. I didn't have anybody to talk about it with back then. Um, And so I really was like, you know, my friends laugh at me about this, but for a long time, I thought I was the only gay in the world, Um, except for the people who society has deemed untouchable, you know, or undesirable. And I'm like, you know, so I thought, okay, well, aside from me, those are the only other gay people, you know? Um, I didn't think that people my age, you know, um, felt the same way that I did. So, you know, I, I had the biggest crush on Daryl Stevens who played Noah. And Tell me this. I, Tell me mm-hmm. this. In your school and in places that you, the social circles in your youth, you didn't meet any other gay people or did you meet them and they were claiming to not be gay? That. Boom. That. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Obviously they were all around, you know, we were everywhere or everywhere. Um, But I didn't know that because they wasn't saying it and shit. I was surely wasn't going to say it. So you know, I had this big crush on Daryl Stevens. I just like became obsessed and I looked at everything that he ever did, anything that he was in, I'm like watching it. I had this whole like plan concocted where I was going to leave high school and move to LA and live in a hotel and find him. And it was going to be sparks, stars, horseshoes, rainbows, all that. And we were going to fall in love and get married. So 
That so wait, wait, wait. I want to surprise you. You don't know, but Daryl Stephen listens to Marshall's play. <laughs> he sure does. He has tweeted our show multiple times. So Daryl, uh, we gon' we gonna need that marriage to happen, baby. <laughs> right. I'm single. What's up? <laughs> How you doing? Oh, yeah, baby. I loved me some him. I loved all the characters on the show. But so anytime I see one of them somewhere, I'm always like, oh, there they go. But I just happen to be having a conversation about um, Jensen Atwood, who played Wade on the show. And then to see him on Pose, I was like, oh, look at him, because he kind of was on like the first big show for cis gay black men. And I'm like, well, here he is as a, an extra bartender. Um, you know, and that speaks to how our creatives, our actors, our actresses who are part of these amazing shows don't get a chance to elevate in their career. There's no way that this person was a part of this amazing show and then they didn't go on to do anything else. And I'm scared that a lot of time that this is what's going to happen to the trans girls oppose. And, you know, especially being now that they've been, they've been called out for being underpaid. I'm scared. And it's for multiple reasons, discrimination and, you know, the culture I hope it, you know, we've changed a lot from the time of Noah's Ark, but I'm I'm scared that that's what's going to happen, that some some of them who have a great team and brand or whatever may go on to do more things, but I feel I'm scared that some of them won't. And I'm also, there's an element of the, like the negative culture, but it's also an element of, did you watch Game of Thrones? Yeah, I did. Yeah. So... The guy who plays Tyrion, he yeah. is a little person. Yeah. And that character of Tyrion was a character of a lifetime for him. Right. Like, like how many characters like that will he find in his career later on? Like, you feel right. what I'm saying? Like, it feels yeah. like how many are how many characters are written for little people for real, for real? Right. And, you know, what I've seen him in since, because he's kind of been comedy. Like, right. His his height is kind of like part of the laugh. Right. Not, 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 not straight up like, you know, oh, he's little. So ha ha ha. But in that he's played like really ruthless characters and him you know, being the height that he is kind of makes it funny. Right. You know? It's just like the juxtaposition of you being a little person who's going to be scared of you, but then you have this power because you're right. Yes. yes. Yeah. And so that's how, that's what I feel like. I feel like Tyrion, that character, that the seriousness of Tyrion as a character, yeah. how many, how many, how many characters is he going to find? Not that many. And Probably. so I feel like that's going to happen with 
not just the post girls, but with like we see like Laverne in them. Like I think that's why she has gone into producing actual stuff for herself. Like when we talk about disclosure and you know, actually create, you know, writing and getting into more things because ye, the trans characters is not going to be abundant with all these trans actresses. Right, right. You feel what I'm saying? And then, yeah. then if we how Hollywood works. You know, of course, Laverne being the most the the vet trans actress down, she's gonna be the first one on the call sheet. <laughs> and you they're know, not, people, yeah, it's gonna be like, and they're not hard. gonna, they're not gonna. I mean, m- maybe they will. I would like to see that they start snatching scissors, but I, you know, Hollywood is funny like that. I don't. And so, how many roles for like how many trans characters are we gonna have in one particular show? And, and that's that's interesting because when you, you know, Laverne, the show where she played a cis girl, the cis lawyer got canceled. So it, and it's, I never even heard of it. Right. <laughs> and so yeah. there was a there, there's a level of if you play, if you're going to play a cis role, you have to be at that peak of passability. So that's that whole mm-hmm. problematic thing. And also. I may be wrong about this, so I'm just going to say it. I haven't thought it all the way through, but I also feel like that the how hard we go on, how hard we go when cis people play trans people in this culture right now. Yeah. I think that they're going to go hard on the idea of cis people play cis people and trans people play trans people. They will out of spite. Out of spite. Out of... But they're going to make a big deal about it because they feel some type. Right. Right. Exactly. Because we going to feel some type of way if they... This ain't hurting y'all, but okay. Right. So, I don't know. It It feels quite... I don't know. I just I feel worried about the girls and their career in the future. Um, and I'm not seeing I see I ain't gonna say no names, but I see one. <laughs> I want to be messy. Um, I ain't gonna say no names. So I see like two. I see like two that I think have the chops. I think okay. two, um, I, there's two that I see that has the hustle to get other gigs. I mean, yeah. And there's one of those two. No, no, no. That's acting chops. There's another one that I think she needs to go into fashion and um more into modeling <laughs> more into yeah, that okay. to to get into a whole different career and okay. it could be in a whole other thing because she got it because she got it right so let let that happen let that do do what we yeah. do what that do so um yeah, <laughs> I think that we got to be really strategic or we're going to be pigeonholed and this is going to be the only thing that we see. Because who, even Daryl Stevens, what well, I know he has done, done other work, but he didn't go on to be a star in, in anything. 
Yeah, he's a star in my eyes, but yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, I, I I really thought that I thought that all of them, the whole cast, was going to go on to and do at least you know everywhere, like you know, yes, yeah, and you know, it, it, it's kind of it's sad because like we had that show. And then what you saw is that you, you see like the and straight actors kind of came in and started emulating these people and taking roles that they could have had, you know. Um, everybody wants to be like, you know, like it, it became easy for folks to like, you know, turn into like Lafayette on True Blood or Cam on Modern Family, like they they saw what we do and they took it and ran with it and started snatching up these roles that real, you know, um, you know, gay folks, you know, LGBT folks could have, you know, been in and done something. Was the guy from True Blood straight? Yeah. Oh, yeah. but that's what keep happening. Like they, yeah. that is true. They even with like um, uh, Jared Leto playing Rayon in Dallas Buyers Club, it just feels like right, y'all have right. been what we go through, where they will pick a cis man who mm-hmm. plays the character, and then it becomes this beloved character when you could have right. a gay man. Right, you you could have just picked a gay man, but but yeah, that would have been too much. Like right. Too much, too much. <laughs> Hollywood doesn't do that. So. Mm. All right. During the time they get into it, Castle has a seizure. Pray tell the whole the whole club stops and they get Castle in the ambulance. Now this part, and I've seen this even when we were talking about last episode. This like flip to where the ball solves the problem or like it stops, you stop caring about people just to do the ball. This yeah, moment was weird and strange to me because yo, yeah, with Blanca. So yeah. when Castle gets, Pray Tell wants to go with Castle to the hospital. And Blanca was like, yo, we're trying to win these categories. <laughs> I was like, bitch, what? What, what about the ball? Like, girl, fuck this ball. You never fell out with a seizure. Like, what? like oh, Judy's there waiting for him. It's all right. He's fine. Get back in here. We got to sweep this ball. Like, we got, we got one more category to go. It's what Castle would want. Bitch, no. He just fell out. Like, no. He didn't even want to come here. He gave not a damn about the ball. Truth be told, he gave not a damn. Not a damn. But we convinced him. I didn't convince him to come out. Here you have a damn seizure. Right. And and he going with these motherfuckers that don't even want to. They got masks and shit while they're trying to take care of us. And so, I don't know. That just... It rubbed me the wrong way in the first episode <laughs> at the at the hospital with Lamar. 
Yeah. But this one was it that the same reason why that rubbed me the wrong way. Well, let you talk about well, we're gonna challenge you and take you to you take it to the our battle to the no, we're gonna twirl him right here. <laughs> That's what right. I would have been like. But because please not act like the ball girls weren't twirling back then. There was twirls happening. <laughs> right. Right. So it just this just rubbed me the wrong way. Like they were putting um now I understand you gotta um um suspend your disbelief because it is a show that's a part right. of watching a show and you know we're moving the <laughs> we're moving the story along because they actually did win and they won the money. After they win, they go back to Blanca's house. Let me say this, because this is getting on my nerves too. Why is Blanca's apartment still raggedy? Why? <laughs> Either get a new one or do renovations on the one that you got. What's going on? I, we're seeing the Everybody same crack peeling paint. Same raggedy curtains. You ain't painting no wall. You ain't got no pillow, sis. I don't know no trans woman or gay man that is going to sit up in a motherfucking house, even if we pour over time, especially the time that we have seen her in this apartment. Over time, we are hooking up our apartment. I don't care how poor we are. Yeah, from 88 to 94, you could have did something. <laughs> or something. I, I, would, I ain't pay attention. I want to <laughs> see if the window's still cracked. Because in the other season, it was cracked. <laughs> Girl. Please be understand. I'm And I was so annoyed by her not having a better table, her not having better curtains, just the apartment looking still raggedy. You ain't even paying the accent wall. You ain't putting no right. wallpaper up. <laughs> You ain't did nothing. There's still mattresses on the floor. I, I didn't even pay attention to that. Still mattresses on the floor. Come on now. Come on, Blanca. Miss Entrepreneur. <laughs> so this is when they come together and they're having dinner, celebrating the wins of the ball. And... This is when they choose to have the intervention with Pray Tell. What did you think about that? I had a question. Um, Pray Tell won one of the categories, so he won part of the $500. He didn't, like, question where the hell his money went, like, his portion of that. But anyway, um, so they present Pray Tell with, you know, the a reward for winning. Um and it looked like it was going to go well. I, you know, surprisingly, you know, they start telling him, like, hey, we did this, you know, hey, rehab, you know. I think even he said, oh, well, that doesn't sound so bad. Like, upstate doesn't sound so bad, you know. Um, and then he asked, like, who's going to pay for it? And everybody gets the smiling. And he's like, oh, so that's why you wanted us to you know, were so hard on us about winning these categories. Um, yeah, up until that point, it looked like it was going well. Um, until Ricky gave him that ultimatum. Yes, that's where, well, really, Pray, Pray Tell actually started, to, he flipped when he found out that they had gone to speak to Lisa about him. 
And, you know, then Blanca began to share, you know, um, you know, her feelings, you know, she read her letter and Pratel was like, I feel like I'm hearing gibberish. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? And so Ricky's like, well, let me go. And so Ricky says, you know, I love you. You've taught me how to love. Um, but what you're doing now is hurting me. It's hurting us. And if it doesn't change, I'm gone. And Prey lost it. Which is to be expected. I, That's what Lisa told them. Lisa told them, don't think that this is going to go just clean. Crack or no crack, nobody likes an ultimatum. I get why Ricky did it, but you couldn't have possibly thought in a million years that that was going to go over smoothly. Y'all knew who the fuck you were talking to. You know, and... So it went exactly how I thought it was going to. Praytail starts reading everybody. And yeah, I mean. And, but not just reading. No. The, the best kind of reading where yeah. I'm actually reading you the truth. I'm not making nothing right. up. Y'all right. bitches is trying to come at me. So everything that right. I know about all of y'all, all of y'all faults, I'm about to bring it into the play. Yeah, right. Those deadly reads. Like, um, this ain't some exaggerate, a small flaw. It's in your soul. You right. Know? Um, because, uh, I mean, he, he easily, you know, did away with Angel, like shut her down real quick and then turned to Electra when she tried and was like, oh, bitch, no. And it felt like this was something that kind of had kind of been on the on, on his chest for a long time. And he ain't had the opportunity to let her have it. And he let her motherfucking have it. This was a <laughs> raccoon in the corner. doing whatever I can to let you bitches have it and get out this corner because y'all not about to make me feel like I'm the only bitch with some issues in this group Miss Miss Angel and Miss um, Lulu don't think we don't know y'all hoes is crackheads (laughs) (laughs) Miss Electra you a fucking glorified prostitute <laughs> with with a sense of you know you grand with dusty coats, honey with dusty old coats, <laughs> and then Blanca, he said this was kind of a low blow, but he said Miss Blanca, girl, you got Christopher, you may you feeling cunt because you got a new man, but he only keeping you around because you a HIV charity case. Woo, baby, that hurt. The it country. was he really he really went in on everybody. I was gagged. Everybody. So they end up going home. Everybody end up getting mad, leaving, getting out, and um, they end up going back to Praytales and Ricky's apartment. And Ricky basically makes good on his threat, and he packs his shit up. Mm-hmm. And he says, "I won't stay in a relationship like excuse me." And he said he won't stay in a relationship like his 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 mother, like he had with his mother. No, 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 no. Like his mother had. No, he was like, I'm not staying in a relationship and you are toxic. Yeah. And then Price says, 
you know, his his messed up childhood and his feelings being called worthless is exactly why he drinks. Prey said that he likes the way drinking makes him feel mm-hmm. and that it, he doesn't want to deal with the withdrawals or talking about his problems with strangers. Y'all want me to go to this fucking program and, you know, I'm not hurting nobody. I'm just drinking. This is me. Right. And so, you know, but he reads and Ricky is like, well, girl, I just told you that you hurting me and your friends just told you that you hurting us. Right. Pray tell yeah. ain't, ain't with no, that. He wasn't hearing none of that. And so Pray tell started to berate him, insult him about everything ranging from his HIV diagnosis to his education level. You know, this is, you know, and ain't nobody going to love you better than me. Right. Facts. All of that kind of tea. And, you know, these are when you I tell people all the time in love, there ain't no rules in love and war. You can have the etiquette and the politeness. Oh, we can't be doing HIV reads and we can't do health reads. That's just a low blow. And we we've come a long way in that culture. But when motherfuckers get mad and you got them in the corner and they want to hurt you, they're going to bring that shit up. Yeah, absolutely. They're going to bring that shit up. They're going to do whatever it takes to harm you in the way that they they, they perceive that you are harming them. Yes. You are exactly leaving that. me because I'm drinking. Right. And I'm telling you, this don't harm nobody but, but me. Right. So from there, it goes to Angel and Poppy back in their apartment. Mm-hmm. Poppy gives her this big meal. And Angel kind of shows this like suspicion of his intention. And but like, like, are you cheating? Did you cheat on me? Like, she's like, what the fuck is happening? Why are you doing this bullshit? Yeah. Yeah. But Poppy is like, what? I actually got some good news. Calvin Klein wants Angel for their new fragrance. And Angel actually has something important going on. Angel has is admitting to Poppy that, you know, she has signed up to go to rehab. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's cool because previously to this scene, Angel and Lulu had a situation with Poppy. Yes. Right. And so Angel and they they were up there. Were they getting high or talk? I know they were talking about high, but were they getting high? Yeah, they were. They yeah. Were. And so when they came down, Poppy had come home and Poppy was like, bitch, I think I don't know what's with us going on. You don't think I know how your influence and, and you getting high like I see it like I, you can be a dolphin, but bitch, you my right. woman, yo. And right. I'm not going to have this fucking bullshit. Like, if you right. want to be a dolphin and, you know, Lulu got offended. She was like, so much for family. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, bye. Like, bye. And so, you know, I kind of felt him a little bit because <laughs> you ain't my woman, but I don't want you on drugs either. But you definitely, bitch, I got to, I'm going to have to deal with it. I don't want you to be a fucking crackhead wasting away. Yeah. And so they had that, you know, that, tough moment and and actually i like that they didn't turn this that moment into angel bucking against him she kind of relinquished she was like yeah you right and da 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 da. you know what i'm saying it wasn't um 
well, fuck you then. You you supposed to unconditionally love me. She didn't do a pray tell because she just saw what pray tell looks like. Right, right. You feel what I'm saying? So this moment, um, Angel is basically saying, you know, you was right. I remember our last conversation and I want to focus on my sobriety. And Poppy um, expressed that he supports that. Right. Also, because this episode to me is really heavy on the romance in regards to relationship issues, um, they moved to Blanca and Christopher. Yeah. Um, while Blanca is now going through, you know, she's starting to vent to Christopher about this failed intervention attempt, right? To for pray tell. Um, and then she confronts him about through their conversation, she confronts him about how the family dinner was handled. Previously to this. Blanca had confided in in Angel and Electra about what happened at the dinner and how she felt like he didn't defend her. Right. And so they had a real cute sisterly moment because, you know, first Electra was like, bitch, are you the one who was like, we need to be proud to be trans women. Why didn't you get up in her ass and be like, you know, why didn't you tell her up front that you're a trans woman and da-da-da-da-da. I wanted to ask you about that specifically, about how you felt about that part Um, with like them kind of pressuring her to come out so soon to a complete stranger. Um, Yeah, what were your thoughts around that? I am an old school girl, so I'm going to keep my tea as long as I can keep it. <laughs> I, when I meet dudes, parents, when in my past, in my past relationship, when I meet their parents, I I don't want to talk about my tea. That is not none of anybody's business. I'm a woman. Your, your son is a man. We are in a man and woman relationship. That's all that needs to be known. He like it, so you need to love it. Right. He lives for me. Whatever I got going on, he lives for. So long. Now, now it's not fuck you. I want you. I don't want there to be a rift between you and your son. I don't want to cause anything like that. So I'm going to have the pressure of wanting to impress you. I'm going to have the pressure of wanting to to talk to you nice and be sweet to you. And I want you to like me as as your son's um new girlfriend but you don't need to know all my business or my history and da 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 there's a lot of conversations even in that conversation with Blanca that I probably wouldn't have talked about I don't know just because of that pressure to impress them there's certain things I wouldn't have lied to them but there's certain things that I probably wouldn't have talked about um, yeah, because even that conversation that they were having at the table, she brought up like because you remember his dad said that Christopher was really smart, that we couldn't even fool him to think that Santa Claus was alive, um, was real. Yeah, yeah. And and Blanca volunteered like a weird, not a weird, but just a little bit too much information that I wouldn't have volunteered. Right. Because it, it led to the mother interrogating her, you know, about. Her upbringing, but then um, is that unavoidable? Would she just would she have found any kind of way to 
interrogate her. I guess if that was her mission, she probably would have. Um, I guess that that you know, it, what did she say? She found out about she she at the same age as Christopher, she found out that Santa Claus wasn't real because she saw her uh, a note from Santa in her mother's handwriting. Right. Um, and I mean, yeah, that that's like probably too. I wouldn't have given that it, But it was either. extra. That little part right there yeah. wasn't the T. She added something else about multiple family members or something. There was something else that was added to that statement that was, that to me was not, was a little bit, I wouldn't have gave them all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel you. I feel so you. For yeah, me, I, I just, I just don't see myself. Um, telling my tea until it's just it just has to be told. I also don't. Um, and this is me back in the day. I might I can't say that I totally feel that like that now. I'm also a person that's like what I'm looking for in a dude now. Yeah, is somebody that fits in my life, not just as my partner. I mean, not just as my companion, but as my partner in my career, in my life, in what I do. So I kind of want like an activist ass nigga. I want a nigga that is invested in black trans liberation as I am. So yeah. I can't say, I, you know, an old dog is hard to teach an old dog new tricks. So I can't say that I'm totally down for just telling my tea up front in regards to this kind of situation. But I'm way more close to it than I was when I was younger. Younger, that was the rule of the game. Like, we were taught, you keep your tea. You don't tell your tea until it's the last moment that you got to tell it. Right. And so I can't really say that I would have been encouraged to tell tea. But I think why they were doing that is because Blanca positions herself Right in the community yeah. as this girl, be proud of your team, be proud of who you are. Right. And so, and so playing that game, they were like, Girl, what are you doing? And Electra was like, Girl, you mother, honey, tell your tea to everybody, bitch. So, why you didn't tell your tea? And so, you know, I thought it was a beautiful sisterly support moment. And so, when we fast forward to when we fast forward to them having the conversation, um, when she first said it, I didn't, I was like, mm. it, I, I almost not on Christopher's side, but I was like, mm, did he, did he, was there, a, it felt like the shade was so subtle that he didn't need to I he didn't need to jump in. It wasn't the shade the shade the shade was there, but I don't know. A part of me was like, I don't I don't think he needed to defend you in that moment. Right, the second she, time, that, yes. Time, yes. The first time she wasn't really, I mean, there was definitely some, like you said earlier, nice, nasty, some you know, passive aggression, but she wasn't flat out coming at Blanca and you know, what she did throw, Blanca caught that and threw it right back. Like, she handled her own very well. And, and so, he and he try, and he did try to come defend her. Remember when he was like, yeah, she's an entrepreneur? I felt like that was his way of trying to shift it and defend her. Not necessarily defend her from an attack, because I didn't think an attack was happening. I felt like he was trying to shift the energy, and that was his way of handling the situation. Right, right. Yes, I agree. I agree. 
So I just, in that moment when she was talking to Electra and Angel, I just felt like she was kind of wrong. And he was defending her in a way by trying to shift the energy to a more, uh, the positive attributes of her. Not that she just this hood chick from the Bronx. You get what I'm saying? I felt like he was trying to do that. So I felt it was kind of unfair for to say he didn't defend me. But okay, let's say that, you know, that's just me. She talks to him about it and says that, you know, I feel like, you know, I need you to be more supportive and defending me at your family dinner. Christopher insists that his family's opinion of Blocker doesn't really matter. And he promised to make that clear um, later on that night in an impromptu like dinner with mom, Blanca and him. And this is when it hits the fan where the tea comes out and Blanca tells her tea in this really feisty little moment. And the mom says, I knew it. Your daddy has trans clients. And she goes into this thing about kids. Y'all not, it's unfair. And just all this shit that maybe parents do. I'm not a parent, so I don't, I don't know nothing about this type of feeling or whatever. It still sounds like trans, transphobia, homophobia sounds like whackness. And so her doing that to Blanca, this was a chance for Christopher to actually step up and defend her. And he did. And mm-hmm. he did in this situation. Now, this is one of the moments that we talked about on our last episode, our last review of the first thing. This is one of the moments where they have chose to be, um, to make this character a positive depiction of a healthy tr- guy and trans relationship. Yeah. I can't say that this has always been realistic in my life. I've never had this before. I've never, and this, I know it might be some other girls that have, but I've never experienced it. I've never seen it. Not that it doesn't happen just because I didn't see it, but I haven't experienced this, this direct rebuttal to somebody's parents. Right. Yeah. He really like made his stand in that moment and, you know, said, I choose Blanca, like, and I I choose her over y'all, you know, and he even added that little bit at the end, like, you can call dad and let him know in case it's unclear where I stand, you know. Um, that, I mean, I, I love to see it. You know, I was like, it, it made me feel something right here, you know. <laughs> um, you know, like, oh, hey, bitch, he chose me. He chose me. <laughs> it's, it's cute to see. I just got, I had to say, I love that maybe cisgender guys who like trans women who are watching this can see this is how you do it. I love that idea of that. Yeah. What in in real life, my real life, and what I see in other girls coming up in their real life, what a dude who chooses us over the family. It's usually not that direct. It's usually not, I'm going to be with her. What it is, is it just doesn't stop. Like they yeah. the family will make all these threats. They will make all these, oh, you can't be doing that, da, da, da. Trey's still coming over our house, still living with us, mm-hmm. still shacking up, still being with us, still taking us where we need to go, still mm-hmm. doing what men do when they're in relationships with you. But they're not just telling them, no, uh-uh. it's, it's not that kind of direct. They just continue doing what they were doing. Right, because he, like, in, in that moment, I felt as though if his parents didn't get in line, he was willing to sever that relationship completely, you know, absolutely. Right. 
And I, I don't know, you know, I don't know, but I'm sure for somebody it's happened out there. I ain't never had no man like that. Yeah, but- <laughs> I, I think it's really interesting. Uh, his mother's name is Angie and you know, she's she's from a different class. So, you know, that classism kind of, you know, comes to play and she insists mm-hmm. that she's not a bigot. But then in that even in that conversation, she is a bigot <laughs> in that conversation. Right. Um, and, you know, it, it's quite interesting to see that dynamic and see how they wrote that situation in. I wish these are the moments where I'm like, also, who wrote this? Not that it was badly written. I just would have loved some of the nuances that a girl would be able to bring to this conversation who has been in these kind of experiences. If you are a man, you're going to just be writing for what you think would happen. And I, I know me. Do you think in real life it would have got so hostile so quickly? Like Blanca came on 10, you know, it was, you know, before the mother could really even say anything, she was hitting her with bow, bow, bow. And then she wrapped it all up with, oh, is it because I'm a, I'm a transsexual? I hate that word. I can't believe we used to say that, but, (laughs) um, you know, you know, and then like, you know, the mom had her reaction and then Blanca's kind of like, baiting her like to say certain things that we don't know that she was necessarily going to say oh it's because I'm a what I'm a I'm a, I'm a what what you going to say what you going to say you know she got real hype real quick you know I mean she had just told Christopher that she wanted him to defend her she really didn't give him an opportunity to she kind of took that mic and was like fuck it I'm gonna just do it myself um I think yeah, it did it, go too fast. I think it went too fast. Yeah. And I keep saying that this is just wasn't, and I'm not talking about just my life. I'm talking about situations with my homegirls. I'm talking about situations that I've seen other girls go through in situations like this. Usually, this is just keeping it real. Say that you're in a, you are a cisgender girl and you are, in a relationship with a dude's mother that doesn't like you. Yeah. In that situation, most women, it takes them a while to build up the fuck you bitch mentality to your Trey's mom because your natural inclination is you want to get along with her. So you're not going to turn up. You're going to, you're going to kind of, you're going to even if you want to turn up, you're going to kind of tone it down because you want her right. to like you and you don't want to disrespect his mom because this is your trade. What you right. want to do is have him be the buffer, him be mm-hmm. the one to step in and say things and step in. Da, 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 da. So in my experience, it goes like that with trans women, too. We don't want to buck up. First of all, we won't don't want to lose our man. And we know right just inherently in this relationship that you are going to put him in the situation to draw the line to choose between me and you. And so I'm already coming in the scenario with the idea that I'm going to have to compromise because I don't want him to be in a situation to choose between me and his mother because I feel like I'm always lose. Right. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. So I'm good. I'm now it's now I've seen people get to the point where they're like, 
well, fuck it. I done kissed your ass too much now at this point. Yes, I've seen yeah. people get to that point, but it takes them a very, very long time. And they mm. usually, before they even get to that point, they tell the guy to position himself to you do the talking, you do the, when she getting cute, you answer the questions, you did And then it's only last resort when the mama is just being crazy disrespectful or you get what I'm saying that they actually go off and snap on her so this did go a little fast for me Blanca was a little bit more turnt than I expected but like I said we are not a monolith it could be a girl that's just uh, because she's on edge about the circumstances that will go off quick like that could be but I just the girls that I've known even the one even the quick temper ones that I've known they give your mama a lot of leeway. Maybe not your sisters and brothers, maybe not your friends, maybe not your cousin, but mama and daddy, because I don't ever want you to have to choose between me and mama. Because in my mind, with my mama, you ain't, I'm not going to choose you ever. It's my right. mama, bitch. Right. Right. <laughs> I'm going to always choose my mama. So right. I'm, I'm going to think I'm going to lose. So I'm going to try to compromise with her as much as I can possibly can at the same time of keeping my dignity and not being disrespected. But but because of that, I am going to expect him to handle. I don't want her calling me no man. So you need to step in and say she's not. Her name is Diamond. She's not a man. Don't be calling her. No, he da 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 da. You have to handle that because I don't want to buck up against your mom. But yeah, that's my experience. Yeah. But yeah. Christopher steps in and says, you know, I love Blanca. This is what it is. If you can't accept that, it is what it is. You know, I love you, mama. Then we just going to have our separate relationship. But child, <laughs> this, I'm going to be in this situation. And so that's a beautiful thing to see. And it's a, a beautiful example that they are showing on the show. After the confrontation with Ricky, Prey goes to his fellow MC counselors and ask because remember in previous ep- the previous episode he said he's going to retire <laughs> yeah. but he's asking to rejoin the group as they first um as they first start roasting him about his terrible outfit <laughs> they embrace him of course and welcome him back into the fold um but however Praytel learns that Castle has been discharged from the hospital and and took his pills to the hotel room, echoing, remember, the suicide that he said he would do. Yeah. In, right. in the in that previous conversation that they had. So he like paranoid now. Now he's scared. He like, yo, I know what they said they were gonna do. So he runs to the hotel. And when he gets to the hotel, he finds Castle alive on the bed, laying down. Um, and Castle told him that he had planned to overdose. He planned to do it exactly how he said to do it. And yeah. Castle decided to not actually take his own life. And pray tell is like, bitch, like they have this little moment. This is one of those, you know, heartfelt moments, this deep heartfelt moment. Um, yeah. because this is a person these are two people dealing with the truths about this disease that it's not it's dealing with the um the emotional turmoil that you can that you can go through if you are diagnosed with HIV um 
they're they're really getting into the humanity of this diagnosis around this particular time. And so they both agree after crying together and having this moment where Castle was like, I want to live. I want to live. I want to live my life. I don't want to die. I love right. that part. What did you think about that part? Um, that part really touched me. Um, and even, you know, it, you know, it really showed, it, like, it showed us like the bond that these two have because Castle is equally as concerned about Praetel's condition as Prey is for Castle. And he's like, all right, well, bitch, if you come out to get your life together, then I will do better with mine. We're going to be in this together. Are we going to be out of it together? You know, but we both want, you want to live, I want to live. So let's do this. You know, I have people in my life who I think if I was like at my lowest, they would come to me like that. You know, um, I know they would. And so it was good to see that level of friendship, you know, um, that level of love um, that, you know, isn't, isn't, that doesn't come from a romantic partner, you know, but is just as powerful. I, I really love seeing that, you know. Oh, I'm so this, glad that you said that. I'm so glad that you said that because I, one thing that I have learned in my life as I gotten older is that when I put as much energy and care into my friends as I put into keeping a fucking nigga, mm -hmm. those friendships flourish so much better fruit. They're very fruitful. They're very fruitful. Very. You know, and they they deserve that that level of attention. And yeah, absolutely. Right. Think about what we do for men um, when their birthday comes around. We're planning. We're figuring out dates and figuring out what to do, what they like, what they don't like. And, you know, just to impress them, just to keep them, just to keep the vibe happy and sickening because we don't want to be alone. Imagine right. if we put that kind of energy in our friends. Imagine if we if we put that kind of energy in making them feel special, put that kind of energy right. in in getting to know them outside of our own yeah. particular needs. And it's not saying that I don't do this, but over time, I learned to do it even more and really, really yeah. center my friendships in the same way that I centered my romantic relationships. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I think now, since I've learned to do that, my friendships, like, I, like right now, like today, I have the best friendships that I've ever had, you know? Um, I'm not somebody who has like I, 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 just a shit ton of friends. I can't swap them out. You know, the ones that I got, I got to hold on to them because I ain't got folks in the reserves, you know, Facts. but, um, you know, our, um, our bond is legit, you know, and it's because we put a lot of time and love into really knowing one another and understanding one another. Um, we definitely need more of that, you know. Um, it really, you know, and I mean, and romantically, you know, in me doing that with my friendships, it's also changed how I look at romantic relationships and what I expect and what I'll accept, you know. Um, my friends take care of me. I'm loved, like I'm, I'm real loved. So 
you got to come with that same kind of energy, <laughs> you know, right. um, you, you like, you, you got to. So I now like, even what I look for in a partner has now shifted because of what I've received in my friendships. Um, and, you know, yeah. So back to Castle and, and Pray Tell, I just, yeah, that, 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 that was like my favorite scene of the episode. Mm. And so after this, we it comes to the ending where Blanca, um, you know, indeed helps check Praytale into the rehab, opening up the possibility for a better future, one free from self-hate and addiction. And so, you know, other than Lulu, <laughs> the rest of them kind of, um, you know, Angel is working out a plan. Anybody who was dealing with addiction, um, Angel was working out a plan. We got Pray Tell to work out a plan. Other than Lulu, I don't know. I don't know what's going to go on with her, but hopefully, you know, she'll, you know, get on the get on the wagon. No pun intended. But <laughs> but yeah, I hopefully get that. One of the beautiful things about polls that I, I think this this episode particularly at the end and particularly with um, Blanca and Pray Tell, what the whole season had really done has solidified what I tell people all the time. I know when it comes to gay men and trans women, there is this public narrative that wants to pit us against each other. And sometimes it's legit shit. Like, you know, um, you know, cause there's some gay men that's toxic. There's some trans women that's toxic. And you know, they, they say toxic overgeneralizing things about trans women or overgeneralizing things about gay men. But what I have always said and all, and will always say, that gay men have been a support system in my life in the same way that trans women have. Now, I have I have tons of gay male friends that will come to, to come to my aid. They will step in and help me. Now, I've been closer to trans women because, you know, we have shared experiences, but yeah. I also have a little a little bit more shared experiences with them for a longer period of time. But there are there are just some gay men in my life that really love me and really um, has stepped in when I needed somebody. Sometimes because I have very little <laughs> pool of friends that are like close, 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 close. Sometimes those trans women can't step in <laughs> and do certain things that the gay man that some of my gay friends can step up and do because of privilege, because of whatever. So, you yeah. know what I'm saying? So. I have had an amazing um, life full of have I full of beautiful, loving gay men. Have I had some runs in with toxic ones? Yes, absolutely. Fuck yeah. But yeah. in general, they gay men have been a part of my community and they I don't look at them as my enemy in most scenarios. They they do feel like home they feel like they do familial familial i it's just something like i know if i'm in a space where i'm in a group of people that i don't um know if that if there's a gay man there i can what's up this thing da, 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 da. there's a sense of a, a, a home that you mm -hmm. know and we can kiki and da, da 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 i can feel that and so i think what the show does for me it displays that and i love it mm -hmm. so that 
was the end of the thing. So now we end of the show. We know that Pratel is going to go get the help that he needs. And I don't know where they're going to go from this, but we're going to review it and we're going to talk about it next week. See y'all there. Bye. Bye. Well, that's it. Thank you for coming and getting a taste of Marsha's plate. You can listen to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Make sure you leave a review because we really need those five stars, y'all. And go like our Facebook page and leave some comments. We will be posting exclusive content every Thursday, so you definitely don't want to miss out. You can also follow us on Twitter and any other social media site at Marsha's Plate. If you'd like to donate or advertise with us, hit us up at diamondstyles at gmail.com. That's diamondstylz at gmail.com. And that's it for us, y'all. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. You going to say bye, Mia? Oh, bye, (laughs) y'all. <laughs> Every little thing's gonna be alright. Oh,